It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Peller. And a, a new year, new show, new start, new beginnings. What a fun time for the guys, all of us. 2023, how exciting. Our last episode, in case you were curious, that was with me, as I said, Brian Peller. And Max Escarpio, John Marchant, the three of us. I should have identified that to begin with. It's a new year. You know, we're all still working out the holiday kinks. That last episode was December. I'm sure everyone has it right on the top of their tongue. Uh, 19th. Uh, so two and a half, maybe weeks ago, uh, uh, quite a few things have happened. And if you weren't keeping track, uh, we will run through all of it. Those sorts of things would be obviously the bowl game, the G's at bowl, Florida state one 35, 32. If you weren't keeping track that that happened, uh, a lot of players announcing or a lot, a couple of very important players announcing they're coming back. Uh, one very important player said he's going pro, that being uh, Jamie Robinson, four transfers in, and I think each one of them, uh, we already talked a lot about the tight ends that have already transferred in in the last podcast. I think there might be some interesting discussion there, but you got four more since then. Uh, big transfer out today or yesterday with Treshawn Ward, depending on when you're listening, uh, and uh, coach leaving. So we'll get some thoughts there. And National Signing Day. Uh, so... A lot to get to, a lot to cover. We'll cover all of it. Obviously, some of it is a little older, but I think we have thoughts, opinions, news, notes, and maybe you took the last two weeks off too. And I'm just jumping back in now to really start listening because you're back at your desk and you're bored. So, um, guys, I, I a lot of me rambling to get to the most important point here. And Max, I do want to go to you first on this uh, basketball thoughts. <clears throat> That's a joke, man. You don't have to really give these thoughts in the past. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you leaned back and like rubbed your neck like, oh, yeah, I, look, well, I, look, I looked right at the date first to see when Baba comes back. That's what that's. that's what <laughs> no, but I think the easiest thing, and John, you made the point earlier, uh, you know, we're, we're mostly do as a post-game podcast. And I think the easiest place to start is the bowl game itself. Um, you know, I mentioned 35, 32, I think there was plenty of good that you can take and look ahead to next year with. And I think there was possibly some bad. That's, that's maybe slight reason for concern, but how much do you read into a bowl game? Uh, so, so with that, that John, much. take it. Yeah, not that much. Um, so I think you're dead on, right. There's a ton that you love to like. I mean, it was, the offense took a little while to wake up, uh, but you know, it was a really fun game, which was great. Very true back and forth. Um, 
there was uh I, I think there was some concern i don't think the florida state played very well on the trenches on either side of the ball which was disappointing but i also thought that that oklahoma had some kind of elite talent maybe that florida state doesn't have like mills was was kind of un, unguardable right and then they had that other kid who was who was really really good not dylan gabriel but another guy they had so oklahoma had some really good talent um but you know they did pretty much if i remember correctly everything that you would want Oklahoma to do if you were a fan of the Sooners. And yet Florida State was still leading, right? Still pretty early in the game or, or before halftime. So um, that kind of, I think, signaled how that game was going to go. And indeed, you know, Florida State took care of business. But overall, it was very back and forth. It was it was great. It was fun. So, um, you know, Max, what do you think about the bowl game? I definitely thought there were some issues that we saw early, but we talked about it. I think it just, it was December 19th or maybe the podcast before that, that there was going to be a kind of rough start because there was such a long distance of, of Florida state playing their last game, which was Florida November 25th. So that that's a long stretch to have of not playing an actual game. So we knew there was going to be some type of type of rust, which showed, but ultimately it came with, with the win. I, I didn't think, that there was much to complain about aside from maybe defensive backs, maybe the defensive line, but you don't have Fabian there. So that's something to talk about. Yeah. I would say I was, um, I wish you'd told me that, that, that you expect them to start so slow. I, I over here championing in every direction that I thought they were just going to absolutely smash Oklahoma down two tackles. And I think a guard and the starting running back. And I was like, I think they're going to keep Dylan Gabriel in check. It's really all they've got to do. Uh, I was pretty surprised they gave up two 100-yard rushers in the game. Um, I mean, they got the the sacks and and the stops when they needed them at the very end there. Um, I was surprised that Oklahoma put up that many points for a team that I mean, if you'd have told me Dylan Gabriel was posting 14 for 24, I was I, I would have. I mean, I did tell you in every direction that Oklahoma was going to lose by like 25, and um, I mean they didn't. Uh, but I I mean. I think, as John said, your bigger takeaways are going to be your successes on the offensive side, um, particularly coming from, again, Jordan Travis looking like what will be the best quarterback coming back in the ACC next year, 418 and two touchdowns. Uh, Johnny Wilson was great, uh, went over 200. He had the was it, with a one-handed catch on, the, on your winning drive there. Um and, and one other, I guess, Marqueston Douglas um, was another little side note I made. Uh, the four for 50 out of the tight end spot. Um, he kind of had an okay finish to the year, which kind of gave me a little excitement looking toward next year with the transfers in at tight end. Um, you know, I think we kind of saw that role start to develop. And I know Max, you and I in the first game watching against uh, LSU made a lot of notes of, of Jordan dropping those passes to tight ends just over the linebacker level that were that extra pro level. And it seemed like Jordan is either refound that position. They refocused closer to that position towards the end of the year. But uh, I definitely liked the usage of the tight end again and seeing that have success. Yeah. And before you saw with Cam McDonald's, maybe he'd go in the middle of the field. Maybe he would slide right for kind of a short pass, but he wasn't really the big tight end that you need in the, in the red zone that you need to be able to, to, trust that guy in the red zone. Obviously you have a bunch of options right now, but he was also not that guy. Just like they had Jordan Wilson before or a couple other guys who would catch the ball and just sit, catch the ball, maybe gain two or three yards, but a guy like Jaden Bell, a guy like Kyle Morlock should probably do more in that system next year. Well, they, they absolutely will. Um, right. You know, Nor like tight end is pretty much like Norvell's big position. I guess it's, a key position for him in his offense. So I, I, I do think they're going to get a lot more out of the tight end position next year than what we saw this year. And that's exciting because I mean, the strength of this team was the offense and that will be the same case next year. A lot of people were mad at Adam Fuller. Again, I don't think he did a great job, uh, but you had a lot of starters who didn't play. And there's only so much you can do when, when, you know, nearly your entire secondary is backups and love it didn't play. And, and we, we knew the interior of the defensive line without him and Cooper was, was pretty weak. So, uh, I mean, a bowl game is a bowl game, right? And you lose a lot of guys, you don't play. It's whatever. 
but there are concerns there that are flashes of what we might see for next year. So I think in the trenches, I'm a little concerned, uh, but tight end is one. I'm, I'm not, again, the strength of the offense next year, the whole team will be the offense. That's what, if, if Florida State's going to be a borderline, you know, compete for the ACC, be a borderline playoff team next season, it's going to be because of the offense, not because of the defense. You just need the defense to be similar to what they were this year. Maybe, maybe instead of 30, 30th year, you're talking maybe 20th or maybe 15th. Right. Uh, you do that with with the top five offense in the country. You, you're you look better than USC did this year. Right. You're a better version of what USC was this year. And that that's fine for for where Florida State is right now. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think one other note on that 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 did jump out to me uh, looking back at the box score, you know, now here a week and a half later was uh, I mean, and I obviously I noticed it during the game, too, was uh, Trey Benson with the 13 for 25 was a little surprising. Um, obviously you had Trayshawn find all of his success going, uh, 10 for 82 and two touchdowns, uh, looking ahead of next year, you've got to be so excited to have Trayshawn when those games that tra- what's that? Oh, that's right. He's transferring. Okay. So, uh, yeah, look at Max. He's like, what did he just glitch? Is he okay? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought that was surprising. And, and obviously I think losing a guy and we can just flow right into it. I, I, I don't know. I'm, you know, I, there's some whispers on where Trayshawn may be looking, some leaders in the clubhouse. But, um, you know, I, a guy who started the year as your starting running back puts up a nice bowl game performance and is now heading out. I mean, I we talked about it in the last episode. I think we all kind of expected Trey to be your, Trey Benson to be your starter heading into next year. And, you know, I think Trayshawn sees his opportunity to go be a starter somewhere else, which which seems to be the obvious play there. Well, we had seen after the season that Trey Benson was going to be the running back one heading into 2023. Mm-hmm. And after the season, Trey Benson, Lawrence Tofili, they both signed NIL deals. So you were kind of waiting for Trayshawn. And obviously when you had that pause of Trayshawn not signing, you thought that there was something there or you thought that he was thinking, which he was probably thinking when he was injured of seeing Trey Benson, of seeing Lawrence Tofili in this offense. What else can I do? Where can I be the lead back? Because he's seen that it's just such a, it's just such a crowded room. And I think I have to say that I don't agree with because they, they Mike Norvo, Alex Atkins for most of the season, even when Trayshawn was healthy later on, they had Trey Benson and then they had Lawrence Tofili who would play different kind of snaps. And then Trayshawn, they would kind of just plug him in and plug him in whenever they needed to. But I think you should have, yeah, I think you should have had Trey Benson and then Trayshawn come in before Lawrence Tofili. I'm not sure why they prioritized Lawrence Tofili over Trayshawn. I'd see what what you guys think about that, but I think that would have been a better one-two if that would have worked. Uh, Yeah, I think Ward and Benson really complement each other in their running styles. I'm pretty bummed to see Ward go, but I get it. Uh, It is a crowded backfield. I think he obviously saw, um, you know, with, with Benson kind of returning to form from his injury when he had at Oregon. I think um, Ward saw his carries diminish. I think he wants to play uh, somewhere where he's going to get more snaps. And I get it. He tweeted something today. You know, he, I don't think he has any ill will towards the coaching staff and Mike Norvell or anybody. It's just uh, I think it was a business move for him to go somewhere where he's going to get more touches. And I can't blame him for that. But at the same time, I am bummed because, like I said, they are really good. Um, Complement each other very, very well. But yeah, it is what it is. I, you know, they just, they do different things and it's going to be unfortunate to lose his skill set. I, you know, we still have, you know, I know Florida State's been looking at maybe getting, um, I can't remember if they have uh, Rodney Hill or uh, Kazaya, Holmes, Kazaya Holmes, right? Or something like that. So they're looking at one or two or both of those guys or something like that. They, they can can replace Ward. So I'm hopeful that that's, that's the case. Uh, like I said, I am bummed. I wish he had stayed. I think he should have stayed, you know, in the Mike Norvell system like this. You're, you're going to share carries, right? It's going to keep you fresh for the NFL level. But at the same time, I think Ward kind of balanced that with, um, you know, I need more touches to show that I can play at the next level. And he, I guess he leaned one way over the other. So again, I don't blame the kid. I wish him the best. I hope he goes a really, really great landing spot. Uh, and he gets to show out because he's a great player and, and, you know, he deserves to to do well. So, uh, again, I'm glad, though, that he had nothing but uh, what appeared to be love for Mike Norvell and the staff and everything like that. I wish him the best. Yeah, I agree with you with both of that. I, I think he is certainly a, a capable running back who at the beginning of the year looked, I thought, head and shoulders the best back in the backfield, to your point, Max. 
I, I don't think there's much of a comparison between him and Toa Feely. I think Award can be your starter, can be your one. And and uh, I guess if you, depending on durability, maybe would be the argument there. But I mean, in his ability to kind of do everything for you, he certainly can be your one, depending on your offense. Um, I, I just wonder how much of that is maybe the coaching staff knows he's beginning to look, you know, I mean, I don't think there's any secret to the way this is kind of operating nowadays. It, it, you can look at Sam Hartman at, at Wake Forest and he's playing a bowl game. And before they even play the bowl game, they're like, yeah, well, he's going to transfer to Notre Dame. And it's like, well, he's not even in the portal. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but he's going to Notre Dame. Uh, you know, it, it, he doesn't have to be in the portal to actively be looking for where to go or teams may be looking at players. Um, you know, and I, I don't know how much of that is actually at play. Could the bowl game have him beating the touchdowns and that be an effort to keep him? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, it's just one of those things that makes me think in this new day and age of football, uh, the way players move around. But I mean, he's certainly a capable back. I've seen like uh, Kansas State kicked around, which I think would be a great fit. Obviously, Deuce Vaughn there just went pro. Uh, Deuce being an undersized guy still absolutely shines in that offense. They give him the ball a lot. And I think that's a guy, Lynn Trashon, who could succeed in that type of give him the ball a lot and let him run, especially against Big 12 defenses. I I, I think that can work. And uh, who knows? Maybe he goes for, you know, eight yards of carry and two touchdowns next year against Oklahoma again. You know, I mean, he's definitely that type of back. And like John said, you know, he seems to be in good spirits about it and just, hey, look, I, I'm going to go find me another opportunity. You guys have Trey. Go off with Trey. I'm going to go head off on my own, which. I think is all you can really ask for in the way college football is set up nowadays. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think Max did. I want to say that too. I think Max had a really good point. Um, Ward was easily good enough to be, be your starter. I wouldn't even say it's 1A, 1B, right? You just say they're 1A, 1A. They just have to do different things. Either one could have been your starter. Uh, one would be a better fit against a, one opponent and the other one would be better fit against a different one. Uh, again, I don't know what the – deal was or what the reason was behind what appeared to be wards kind of slide towards the end of the season and, and getting less touches. I don't know if it's because he was injured or the staff just felt like maybe Benz was playing better or that he better fit the defense, the, the defenses they're playing against, whatever the case is, you know, I guess Ward thought that he was going to get a better opportunity somebody else, somewhere else. So. Yeah. Maybe to Brian's point too, is that he was already looking or he was already maybe not being contacted. Cause I don't know how, how that works, but maybe he was already looking towards that when he was injured or, or kind of focusing on something else other than Florida state. I do think though, that that cheese bowl was a last kind of last hope to, to say that you can shine in this offense and you can stay here and be that one, a one B when Trey Benson, it's an R one a that day, but I guess it didn't work out or maybe it wasn't, but that's just what I'm thinking too. And I don't, and just in case anyone's just jumping in, I don't want it to sound like, um, you know, I, I think he was checking out on Florida state or, um, you know, wasn't giving a hundred percent. I mean, obviously his bowl game effort shows he, he's very much the guy and a good guy and can be that guy, um, you know, and, and his statements after putting his name in the portal is the same, but, you know, I just think it's, it's that type of business choice where he, you know, I, it made me wonder, um, you know, how much he was like sitting there watching Trey Benson run and then thinking like, okay, you know, th this is going to be his offense. Everyone's talking about how great he's going to be. He's the guy for next year. Let me go be the guy somewhere else and, and start thinking about what that could look like. But I just wanted to clarify that I wasn't like he wasn't, he was dragging his feet or whatever. Oh, well, for sure. And again, Brian, to your point this time, I, I, you're hundred percent correct. That's just how the nature of the game now it's, it's really every player is on a one-year free agency kind of deal, right? It's just the way it is. And we may see some kind of the future with things tied to NIL where, you know, a kid will sign for one year and they may sign for two years, you know, not really scholarships, but something like that, right, where a kid may commit for two years. But until something like that emerges or some kind of organization or deal, you know, starts doing things like that or the NCAA says something, uh, it's it's one-year free agency every single year for every player in college football. And that's nuts. That's nuts. You could, you know, it, we I think I saw earlier uh, what it off. You know, you get thousands and thousands of players out of the portal every year now. Only about forty percent find a new team somewhere. I think among Division One or whatever it is. So, but but there's again, you could have, have all of these players that Florida State had back all could have decided to leave. Right. They could have. And that's what we're seeing in first uh, among programs with first year coaches. You know, Florida State fans are making fun of Florida, Miami for all their transfers. And on some level, yeah, let's go for it. It's funny. But at the same time, it's 
it's just what happens these days, especially when there's turnover, right? And a new coach comes in, a lot of those players are just going to leave now because, and before they couldn't, now they can, there's no penalty. They can go anywhere they want. They're all going to leave. And so it allows for the roster to be flipped much faster than it used to be. Uh, but, it, but it, you know, you're going to have that big swings and variance in, in rosters. You know, it, it's great this, this coming year, right? You're getting pretty much everyone but Ward coming back, which is unbelievable. And it's going to have great excitement for next season. But at the same time, there could be a year down the road where you do get maybe, you know, five, six, seven, eight players leaving. It doesn't mean there's a culture issue necessarily. It's just the way it's going to go. Yeah. And to John's point, uh, to follow that up, you know, we mentioned obviously this long discussion about guys looking around and leaving and uh, those those talks before. And obviously, um, I want to say it was also during our break, there was some uh, coaches around the country who were. I don't want to say pointing fingers maybe at Florida state and a couple of other schools, but, but uh, in that transfer portal, kind of like, Hey, if you're wondering why all of our kids are throwing their name in the portal and leaving uh, you know, look at the schools who are getting all the players. Um, You know, I I won't go further than that. I don't know further than that. I won't speculate obviously, but uh, if you were to, to say which schools are getting the players hard to look further than Florida state. I mean, even just in the last, Two and a half weeks since we we lasted the podcast. I think the same day, um, maybe later that night after we recorded, they got the commitment from uh, the offensive lineman at Colorado, Casey Roddick. He uh, started 30 games there all across the offensive line, a team captain in 2022, played in 42 games. So tons of experience there. They later got a commitment for a transfer from Auburn in Keandre Jones. He's played, played in all 12 games at Auburn this year, a couple of starts. Started all the games last year, seven starts as a freshman. Uh, Western Michigan defensive lineman, Braden Fisk. Hope I got his name right there. Uh, second team All-Mac, a couple of sacks, six sacks, some tack, obviously some tackles there as well. And then uh, the number two overall transfer in a all-ACC corner from UVA in Fentrell Cypress. Uh, six foot, 185. I mean, Florida State's doing work in the portal, obviously losing a guy like Treshawn Hurts, but um, you know, John, I, I don't know if you know anything anybody in particular about these kids, but obviously Cypress is a big get. And then, you know, continuing to add the experience depth on the offensive line is nothing to complain about. No, absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're all right. And I know Cypress is good. I, I know that that kid's <laughs> really good. Uh, the other guys I don't know a whole lot about, but I think you kind of hit, hit the nail on the head, you know, when you introduced them was they all have tons of experience. They're all maybe one of the best players on their team and they're transferring to a place like Florida state. Again, this ties into the whole conversation and the argument, which is now all over, you know, every week in college football, anyone who talks about it is whether or not the portal and recruiting like this is sustainable, right? Now we're all going to have different opinions. I'm still going to wait. Uh, I, I still don't even know how I feel about it. To be quite honest with you, I'm kind of interested to see, you know, hear Max's opinion, but I, I, I just don't know. I'm waiting for until the sample size gets big enough where you get, you know, five, six years of this with, with, um, you know, all the schools in the country, we see how it goes. I just don't know. But for now it appears that with this staff and Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins and these guys, it is sustainable, right? It keeps happening. This is the second or third year in a row. Florida State is loading up through guys in the portal. So um, it, it's even seemed to be increasing. One year it was Jermaine Johnson, right? And then you get, you know, Akira Thomas and things like that. Now it's, you know, four, five, six players all at once that we're getting. And I can't remember how many in the top 10 of the portal the FSU got. It's something at least four, right? Maybe six out of the top 10 transfers, something like that. But um it's 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 incredible. I get. I'll keep thinking. Maybe leaning toward it being unsustainable until they prove that it is. Uh, Max, what do you think? What else do you need to see for it to be? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad question. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. All right. I mean, I think I think what I've seen and from the experienced players that comes in, we've seen that. I mean, Fisk coming in, Roddick coming in. Florida State is at a win-now position, and players coming in, players know that. Norval thinks that. The coaching staff thinks that here because, I mean, you look at longtime Seminoles who are leaving. You look at players who are coming in who want to make an immediate impact. A lot of these players want to be starters or are going to be starters, should be in the 2023 season. So I think that that takes a lot to where this quote-unquote climb is right now. I think they're winning now and looking for a title next year. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about it like that. And 
Again, I just I want to emphasize too. It's not, it's not like you're getting a two star kid who went to you know Western Michigan or or whatever. However, stars you know Fisk was when he came out or whatever. You're you're getting an all conference player, yeah. and it's the MAC, but it's still an all conference player. And so I think that makes a difference. It's not the same as as you know you're trying people trying to I think equate one to one between the portal and high school recruiting. I still agree with a lot of people. That high school recruiting is more important, and maybe going forward, you know, with FSU success now, you know, maybe they're starting the 2024 class because of this season winning 10 games, you may start to see FSU lean more on high school classes instead of the portal. But I mean, this train is rolling just to your point, Max, FSU is the place to be. And these kids obviously see that. And I think that's exciting. Yeah. And to your point, looking at the, I'm looking at the two, four, seven transfer portal rankings. Um, you've gotten three of the top 13 in Fisk bell, the tight end from South Carolina and Cyprus. So yeah, I mean, you're, you're cleaning up two of the top 10, three of the top 13. Uh, if you wanted to say your one miss Travis Hunter, the number one overall guy, he could have been potentially something here, but overall, Sorry, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know who that is. Yeah. I got to do it every time it comes up. It's just, you know, I, I think you're finding so much success. I mean, to John, your point that the question of sustainability is, do you become a volatile program with a build like that? If you're building through transfers, that possibility exists. But like, if you look at the top transfer rankings from the last two years, you're up near the top, Florida State both years. Um, and then right here again at the top this year, again, it's it's Florida State. And I see LSU on this list. And, and when I look at those, and I know LSU last year, we leading up to the game, we talked about them being a transfer heavy team again. Both of those schools posted 10 wins this year. Obviously, they'll play again against each other at the beginning of this year, um, but they're finding success as two schools that are, quote unquote, re rebuilding through essentially the portal. And you're, you're finding the success if you can find it because you're getting guys who have been in weight rooms, who have been in college atmospheres, who are experienced or a little bit more mature and ready to play as opposed to a guy who's maybe 17. You know, I guess think of it similar to like if you sign an NFL free agent. Versus if you draft a rookie, odds are your rookie's going to need some time. But if you sign a free agent, he's probably ready. Yeah, right. I think we, well, talked, we, we talked about it. My bad, John. Just no, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. We talked about before with Jermaine Johnson, with Jared Verse, with some of these other guys, Tatum Bethune. We didn't know uh, this coming in next year. We don't know who's going to be a star or if there's going to be a star from this transfer portal class. We have no idea if any of these guys are going to shine in the system. But I think it's just from what we've seen with the 2021 class with the 2022 class, there's bound to be a solid starter, maybe even a star in that class, especially when you have a top 20 ranking. I mean, top 20 players in the ranking right now, maybe those rankings don't constitute their, their value or, or their, or what their or true is, but it, it's going to happen. One of them's going to just break out. It's, I think it's just bound to happen. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. And yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I don't disagree. I'm, I'm trying to think about that. Cause I don't do I think that's a really good point. At the same time, though, I'm looking at it where, like, you know, if you take a guy like Fisk, he's an all-conference player. You know, I know what people are going to say. Well, if you go to high school and you get a five-star edge rusher, right, obviously that's better. That's what you want. You develop that guy because he's probably, a, you know, usually projected to be a top 20 pick. But you got to still, again, look at where Florida State is now. I, I think in – I think where I'm at now or what I, I I believe or I'll expect that I think we're going to see in the portal going forward is among particular staffs, right? I think the portal will be sustainable for something like two to five years at a time. So say it happens at Michigan State, right? They'll have a run in the portal. And then maybe Miami will have a, a run or Oklahoma State, right? Or Rutgers or whoever, right? I think that's what we're going to see is particular staffs. They'll come in. They'll have a run in the portal at the top, you know, two, three, four, five years. And then it'll be another school. And those kinds of schools will rotate like that. Right now, it's Florida State's turn. At the same time that the portal is kind of taking over college football, uh, I would I would crown Florida State right now as the king of the portal. I know some people try to say it was Michigan State, but how all these things turned out and everything like that, I'd say it's Florida State right now. I don't think there's any any program in the country right now is recruiting the portal better than than FSU. Do you think that that Norvon and staff are kind of using this as, as a rental piece of the we're using the portal and we're trying to get all these players from the portal until we can recruit high school better or until we can get these five stars in? A hundred percent because, and it doesn't mean that, you know, if they continue to have success, the portal obviously is going to use it, but there's a reason why you went out and got Jermaine Johnson from Georgia, right? It, 
if when he took over, Florida State's roster was bad. It was gutted, right? I mean, when Willie Taggart took over, the offensive line was bad. But when Willie Taggart left and Mike Novell gets hired, the whole entire roster was bad, except for a couple of players who left very early, right? Like like uh, Marvin Wilson and Tamori and Terry. Those guys are talented guys, but they all left, right? And you're left with almost nothing. Uh, you know, very little. We we talked before about the you know Florida State's wide receivers just two two years ago were the worst in in the in the conference. He is a hundred percent using the portal to his advantage as almost like bridge players to get the program to where it is now. He, what he wanted to do, what his plan was successful. Florida State got to ten wins. That's insane. We were we were preseason. We talked about this a couple of pods ago. We thought you know Florida State seven eight wins that would be fantastic. They got 10 wins. And again, you know, relationships with with uh, recruiting take time, right? They take a couple of years. So a lot of people expect that the benefits of this season we just had will be most felt by the 2024 and 2025 classes. That's where you want to see, you know, the high school recruiting take a big jump into the top 10, you know, on its own. And then he could be maybe a little bit more selective out of the portal. Again, I think he'll still have success because of what he's done so far. But I mean, one, you can't separate the success in the portal Florida State's had without the fact that obviously Florida State has put a ton of resources into the portal and pulling these players, you know, from the portal. So um, I think it's 100 percent because they're struggling with high school recruiting, which who can blame them? A few years ago, Florida State won three games right during COVID. They won three games. They went from three to five to ten or, uh, you know, what I'm saying three to, to I was, yeah, was it five? It was five, five. to ten wins. That's insane. So, yes, it's worked. Now, do we see him transition more? I expect that we will. Um, but. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I mean, obviously you'd love to have a five-star guy. You'd love to be landing those kids instead of Georgia, you know? Uh, but right now it is what it is. You're playing the game so you can win. Yeah, I think it's exactly what John said. It's the It's the... Two to five years is probably your, I can live off of the portal. Like I can, this can be the main lifeblood of the program, but eventually I think the high school recruiting is going to have to be it because otherwise, like we talked about last year and the year before you are taking shots in the dark. You know, I mean, I look at last year's top 25 uh, transfer players just to look at kind of who made impacts and just kind of looking through, I mean, 25 is Dylan Gabriel. Obviously you weren't looking at a, at a quarterback, but I mean, you know, that's a hit for Oklahoma, Jared verse, obviously a hit here. Um, a couple of these guys I've never even heard of some receivers that I didn't do anything. A, a cornerback transfer to LSU. I've never heard of. Um, Makai Wingo at LSU became all conference. Um, uh, Spencer Rattler obviously was huge for South Carolina. Jermaine Burton has been the lead, uh, one of the lead receivers at Bama. Mario Williams is the lead receiver at SC. Zach Evans, a leading rusher at Oklahoma uh, or at Ole Miss. Um, you know, Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech to Alabama looked like one of the best running backs in the country. You know, I mean, there's a and obviously the Heisman Trophy winner, which was a special case for Caleb Williams, you know, transferring there. But I mean, even Jordan Addison, their top receiver at SC, ahead of Mario Williams, is also a transfer portal guy. Um, so I mean, there are a lot of guys who can change your program in that. But there's also a lot where you could just totally fall flat on your face. I mean, you know, you think about, I, I think a perfect example is actually right here at the top of this list is, is Quinn Ewers, the number two transfer quarterback goes to Texas this year. And he was fine. He was fine. Um, I, I think he played great in the Bama game, hurt his shoulder and was obviously missed a couple of games, but never really looked the same as he did in the Bama game again that year. 
Um, obviously, he's a, a great piece, highly recruited for a, for Texas and was great. But I think what you're Texas and looking long term, you're, you're looking at Arch Manning and, and you know, you're hoping you get four years out of Arch Manning or, or three years out of Arch Manning. And uh, Quinn Ewers is just the Band-Aid on it. And I think if you can build a program while putting Band-Aids on things and that way, whenever that Band-Aid is gone, you are capable of using high school recruits and using the portal to pick and choose spots. That's a lot better than trying to have to build a program. I simply just can't believe that over the last essentially two years, they have managed to build a program with transfers, uh, just just basically shots in the dark. And even some of the misses turned fine. I mean, like last year, the receiving core was terrible. They tried that with, with transfers. It didn't work. They tried again with transfers, and Johnny Wilson is one of probably the best 20 receivers in the country. I mean, he's not a, a – uh, well, I guess when he's on, he's, he's probably one of the best 20 receivers in the country. He's got those games where sometimes he's not that great. But, um, you know, I, I think you look at the way they're trying to build the team. I would worry about them doing it too long term. Like John said, that maybe more than five years. But I think if you're sitting in that two to five and you can start building that recruiting and build the recruiting base of young guys, then yes, that's where you want to be. And can I ask you guys why you think that some of the transfers are shot in the dark. Like why you think they're more of a shot in the dark than maybe a four or a three-star receiver. You think like, cause, cause you're going to have to prepare him and you're going to have to put him into a system that he's never seen before. I would say because you have to, you're, you're assuming the risk on why he's transferring to begin with, I guess. Um, you know, I, I think what made him successful at that program might not be the same thing that translates to yours. Maybe it's a style fit. Maybe it's a, um, a, a different uh, scheme. You know, he's a corner and I'm asking him to play man press and he's more of like a, a drop two or something. Um, what gets me in the difference in the portal and there versus like a high school kid, you can get more of them. You can get 26 swings at it and maybe four of them are corners where if you go to the transfer portal, you're not getting four corners. You're coming out with one. You're coming out maybe two and you got to kind of hope that one hits uh, where if you can bring in four and two out of four are hit, that's 50%. And that's great. If you go to the portal and you get one, uh, you can't get a 50%. You either got it or you did. You know, I, I think that's the fear is you have a lot less lottery tickets in a portal atmosphere, John. Yeah. I mean, I think you brought up a lot of good things. I, um, I mean, it's difficult to answer that question. I think in, in some ways, Portal guys like say Fisk, who's an all-conference player, is not more of a, a lottery kind of situation than a kid out of high school. Um, but in in but he could be. I mean, a lot of it, and this is the thing, a lot of it is a case by a case basis. Uh Brian took one of the points I was gonna make with the real Revis and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? He played press man his whole career, and then he goes to the Bucks. You 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 sign him to this big free agent contract to play press man, and then they play him in an off-coverage zone, and he was not good you know, are coming off an ACL tear. So it, de- it depends on a lot of factors. Like what, what Brian said, it depends on how you use him, right. If you use him the same way that he was successful before, but the, you know, players are people, right. You know, you, you take a guy like Fisk, he had success, you know, wh- where he was at, you bring him into a wholly new, a totally new environment, a new team, uh, the way, even the weather's different. He, you know, he doesn't know his way around the, the town or anything. It's just, and that's not that like, that's different than a, than a freshman, but you're not really always expecting freshmen to contribute, right? Especially where this program is at right now. So it, it's just, I think you take it on a case-by-case basis. It's hard to answer your question, Max, because I, I can't say that a high school kid of the portal, one is more of a lottery pick than the other. They they are all, all are to some extent. All players are, even in the NFL. Um, I, I, I pushed for a long time. I used to write over a Bucks Nation. I would say that NFL free agency is as much of a lottery as the NFL draft. And the NFL draft is 100% a lottery. You, you know, the NFL teams are very good at telling you these are the top four players at this position. But within those top four, they cannot tell you who's going to be the best. They just don't. And you'll see some guys, you know, hit and some guys bust. It's just the way that that, that it goes. So you see it every single year in the NFL with quarterbacks. They can tell you who the top three or two top four quarterbacks are, but who's going to be great and who's not, they don't, they don't know. Nobody knows. And I think it's that same kind of, um, you know, I don't know, mechanism or whatever, that same kind of dynamic at play for answering your question here. Um, you, you know, 
obviously Florida State has had some a lot of success in the portal, more than most programs. And going back, you could say that that it may be unsustainable to build a program from the portal like Florida State has. That may be extremely difficult to do that we find out. But bumping up your win total, one to two wins in a season, that might be something that's more sustainable over the course of a few seasons. Um, but it's it, but it's hard. You could, We have to remember, too, the Florida State has had some guys in the portal that didn't pan out, right? There was that one corner from UCF that, that didn't really do much. You've had a couple of linebacker guys who came in, didn't do much. So, you know, Florida State's hit rate has been excellent, excellent in the portal, especially at defensive end. Uh, but we have to remember that they haven't hit on every single guy they brought in. So, Well, and two, two other points that I think can fit in that, too, John, is one, if Jared Verse is, is just not up to the speed of, of ACC play, like, I mean, he very clearly was. But if he wasn't, this defensive line, when Fabian Lovett is out, would have been terrible. Right. Like, they would have been terrible. They were they were good with him. I, I don't. I wouldn't say they were they were unbelievable with him, uh, or with when Fabian was out, or, or with Jared playing at the way he was. But they were definitely a solid to top end ACC defense of line. Um, if he was slow and not up to par, you're probably terrible. Uh, and and I think the reason it, it also adds on, and John, it came through what some of your points in terms of like free agency and stuff is, I mean, eligibility. I mean, right now, if you look at eligibility. They, everyone kind of got the extra COVID year. So like Sam Hartman, I think is 20 years older than me and and <laughs> he's going to give Notre Dame like seven years. I mean, you know, I, I think eventually when guys, if we ever do get back to four years in college or, or four plus one, depending on a red shirt, um, you know, it's going to be a whole lot harder than like, you know, I, I'm a, junior but i've got four years of eligibility left because of covid and the big 10 didn't play and i only played in two and a half games so yeah i'm 26 but i've still got four years i think that makes a bigger difference now obviously in the same point it does help a whole lot if you're bringing back guys to add to as opposed to asking them to replace guys um looking at that for florida state you've got that returning uh akeem dents coming back after a career high 51 tackles Fabian Lovett, who we just talked about, is coming back. He doesn't have the stats this year, but a couple of games injured and, and obviously playing the tackle doesn't really lend itself to stats, but he had the best PFF score of his career. Uh, but you are losing Jamie Robinson to the draft. He's obviously a huge piece for this defense. Uh, you know, I think obviously that plays a big portion. Those three guys are, I, I mean, we've talked about it all year, your, your defensive leaders you guys got thoughts on obviously keeping Fabian is about as big as it can get. Yeah. And we saw when he was out the whole entire season, whenever he was injured, you saw that there was some hole there, either running back goes long or, or you just can't really rush the quarterback to where the receiver gets wide open because the, the defense isn't knowing how to press that. So you saw it the entire season, obviously his veteran leadership is going to be massive in that group because you have a guy like Brandon Fisk coming in who needs someone to help him kind of mesh with this system and see how he's going to fit there. So it's going to be incredible to see him kind of lead that system again, because you have another leader, Jamie Robinson, who's not going to be there anymore. So I think an in locker room guy, Fabian Lovett, I think that's, that's a big thing to bring back, not just on the field, but in the locker room as well. Yeah, I a hundred percent, Max, I think you're absolutely right. Every time Fabian Lovett was out, especially when he got hurt, uh, unfortunately, right at the toughest, you know, stretch of the schedule, there was a huge drop off at defensive line and, and Cooper was a good player, uh, but, but love was better. And I don't think, I think love made the right decision to come back. I don't think he would have been a high draft pick. Uh, I, I still think Jamie, even if he had declared Jamie Robinson would have been a higher draft pick than, than love But I was still at the same time, I was still pretty shocked that love came back. And I think that's huge for Florida state. Cause I was extremely concerned about the interior defensive line. I know you talked about that before max, uh, you know, in lots of previous pauses during the seasons. So, uh, you, you know, he is absolutely huge. We talked about before is kind of bummed about ward. Um, I think he was, you're obviously easily your biggest loss um, among all other guys who come back. But I'm really excited because, yeah, I mean, Dent, when when even Dent got hurt towards the end of the season, right, with his foot injury, there was a massive hole at safety. I mean, there's a huge drop-off after Dent went out uh, that really hurt FSU. Uh, I think it was against Florida, I want to say it was. Or was yeah. it a bulk? I can't remember. But it was a huge drop-off at safety after, after Dent got hurt. Uh, I think 
he was solid. He wasn't spectacular. But he was solid. A lot of these guys are really solid players. They're, you know, they're not going to get drafted high, I don't think. But they're they're good. I think Verse has the highest potential. But he did the right thing coming back because he kind of disappeared against uh, UF. I think he needed a big bowl game in order to jump, and he didn't really – we didn't see that from Verse. But he may not have been healthy the whole year either, too. So, um, you know, I was kind of surprised that Johnny Wilson did. I thought that after his game against Florida, he absolutely should have come back. Uh, And I think he played in the bowl game to see how he would do. He gets 200 yards. I thought maybe he'd declare. So far, he hasn't. I do think, you know, obviously Florida State would benefit. I do think Johnny Wilson would also massively benefit from coming back. So I do hope he stays as as coming back. He doesn't uh, be a late declare for the for the draft. So yeah, Florida State stacked. I you know, I don't know what else to say. They're they're absolutely again they they should contend not just for the conference but to be a maybe borderline playoff team if everything breaks right. That's where the expectation is now at because everyone has come back. And they've landed all these really good portal players. Uh, Max, uh, what, I mean, what about you? What do you think? I mean, I think as far as Johnny Wilson, he needed more film. He needed to show more consistency. Obviously, he had a lot of drops this season, so he needed to show more. He didn't do much at Arizona State before. Just like that, that's the same thing with Trey Benson. Yeah, you had a great season, but NFL prospect, I mean, it just felt scout. Those coaches there, they want to see the consistency of what they're doing year by year. So I think for those players, that's why they came back. Fabian's obviously huge. The anchor that we just talked about, maybe just like Brian said, as a defensive tackle, he didn't just post so many numbers or didn't just stump, jump on the stat sheet, but he was massive when he was there and you knew that he was there. Um, for a player like Akeem Dent, I actually wanted to see more from him this season. I wasn't too, I guess I wasn't too, I thought that we were going to get more from him, just like I thought that we were going to get more from Omari Cooper on that side of the ball. Uh, I know he's not leaving. I know that that's not one of the players that's just returning, coming back. But on that side of the ball, I think they, they still need some work, and that's why they did. Uh, I agree with you. They definitely do. And I think Duke had gotten uh, – Amari Cooper uh, had gotten hurt uh, sometime in the middle of the season. So I, I wanted to see more for him too. I think we will next year. He's got another year in his belt. He did get some some starting snaps this season, which was nice. And he played well when he did. So I, I want to see more from, from him next season. Maybe he'll start opposite Cyprus. Uh, and I, I don't disagree with you about Dent. I, I thought he was just okay, right? He wasn't spectacular. He was just, you know, a, a, a solid, good college player. The weird thing is, is again, once he went out, there was a humongous drop off. I was a little surprised by. So uh, obviously he, it was huge for him to come back because, you know, you can't really rely on some of the younger players that maybe we thought that we could have. Again, a lot of people want to blame, you know, Adam Fuller, the defensive coordinator. I'm not saying he's free of blame, right? You know, there's some, some coordinating things that, that were issues in several games this season, but at the same time, it's obvious that the offense is much further along and has much more talent than the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And maybe Jamie, he leaves. I mean, you have Shaheen there, you have Akeem there, but I want to ask you guys what you think of the, the starting room there in the secondary, what you're looking at at the safety position, what are you looking at? Maybe Fentrell, I don't know if you guys consider him a lock to start, or you think that he's the definite starter, but who starts alongside him and what happens in that secondary? Um, Better coaching. Well, what a what a good transition from John. Uh, we, the, the defensive position, defensive coach position is open. Defensive backs position is open. Uh, Marcus Woodson did just leave for Arkansas, so I mean, so can it's I? It's on the I table. Take, can I take both? I'll take both questions at the same time. Can I? Yeah, do that? go for it. Okay, so uh, I I do think better coaching will play a role, Max. To to answer your question, uh, I think they're going to play obviously the best five or six guys, right? Usually you have three starting corners these days with a nickel, and then the two safeties. You know, I know Florida State played a lot of too high this year. Um, you know, I thought maybe they could have done a little bit less of that, be a little bit more aggressive, play some single high. Maybe Fuller didn't trust Dent or, or another safety. I know they brought uh, Brendan Gant down to linebacker. He's done a lot better there. Uh, he just didn't, I don't think, have the range to play to play safety. Uh, so I think he might be in the mix there. You know, obviously, uh, you know, we'll take a look at the linebackers, right? Is Bethune coming back or is he done? I can't remember. He's um, Okay, so that's fantastic. Kaylin Deloach was coming back, so you got your two kind of rangy guys. Hopefully we see them better in space. I know Randy Shannon is coaching linebacker, so I do expect them to improve a little bit next season. Um, as far as the secondary, I do think better coaching will go a long way. I do think they're going to play the best five guys that they can get back there. 
Uh, obviously, losing Jamie Robinson is huge, right? He he is. I think he was the best player really on your on your defense. He was versatile, right? He was a smart player. Um, and so I do think they're going to miss him. Fentress, uh, uh, Fentrell Cypress is definitely, I think, going to start. Um, it 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 didn't hurt to lose guys like McCall. You know, a five star guy just never really kind of panned out here. Um, I I can't name you or tell you today who I think is going to start, except for Cypress. I do think they're going to have it open. However, at the same time, the better coaching aspect of this, I think Florida State is looking at uh, Torian Gray, South Carolina, who has an excellent resume. Um, you know, obviously FSU just landed. Jaheim Bell, the tight end from South Carolina. Another top contender, I think, would be Chip West at Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse, you know, we, we talked about this before a couple of seasons. Syracuse was sneaky good for a while until they started to get some injuries and it kind of, you know, they kind of went downhill after that. But their secondary coaching was excellent. They were way better early in the season than they had any right to be, right? So Chip West is, at Syracuse, I think, is, is a really good um, guess. And then there's Abdul Rahim of Boston College. Uh, again, Boston College isn't good. Their, you know, their offensive line was absolutely terrible. It kind of overshadowed the fact that their defense was was it wasn't great, but a lot of the coaching in the secondary that they had was was good. Um, they had some good players. They did better. Again, a smaller program with not as much talent did a lot better than than where they should have been. Uh, so those are three, I think, top guys uh, to look at. I think they're going to give you more on the field than than Woodson. I, I do think it's worth noting that Woodson was named, I think, co-defensive coordinator at Arkansas. So, um, and the other hope for that too, is that they provide you better recruiting too, right? I don't think Woodson, I think there was some, some criticism there of maybe the recruiting wasn't where it, it needed to be so that, um, I, I, it's a double, it's a double-sided th- kind of thing here, right? It's not just coaching on the field, getting better talent with guys like Cypress, but it's also recruiting to recruit over these guys, right? If you're not, you want to see more than Den, oh, what's the best way to do that? Get another blue chip kid out of high school. Uh, that can that can play over him, right? You know, as a freshman or sophomore or anything like that. So that's where I'm at answering your question. It's hard to name the exact five guys. Uh, there's guys I wanted to see more from. I think Duke Cooper is going to be one of those corners that, that has a great chance to start. Um, I wanted to see more from Sidney Williams. I can't remember if he's transferring or not. So I was kind of disappointed in a lot of the players this season in the secondary. So I, I honestly, outside of two or three guys, I don't really know. You know, Dent's going to play again. He'll start because he came back. And Cooper will probably start. Cypress will start. Um, I don't know who the other corner is going to be, and I don't know who the other safety is going to be, honestly. Because Green, think- that's the other thing. Green, Renato Green was really good this year, and I don't know if he has, again, because of COVID, if he has any eligibility left. He was another underrated player in this in the secondary. He was good, uh, but you want a guy, I think, who, who can do a little bit – I just remember him. They even played Renato Green at corner this year a ton. He would come down in the alley against the run and that kind of thing. But, you know, if you want to win national championships and have the kind of defense that Clemson had this season and the season before, you got to find much more talented guys. Do you think they focus when they look at that coaching turf? They focus more on the recruiting. Maybe you get a guy from South Florida or or just Florida specifically because of so many talented defensive backs there, or you focus more on the X's and O's and Syracuse and Boston College and those guys. Um, the fact that Fuller plays, I'm not gonna say it's simpler, but he plays it in aggressive. He likes to play more man coverage. At least that's what he did at Memphis. He put the corners at Memphis on islands a lot and, and blitzed. And you know, you you win some, you lose some, right? You you win by the blitz, you die by the blitz kind of thing, yada yada. So you can play a simpler-ish kind of scheme if you have the players to do that. Uh, the fact that there was a lot of criticism about Woodson and, and you know him not recruiting as well as people thought he should have, I think that probably lead to some some guy who may be younger can recruit extremely well. Especially just the conversation we just had about trying to maybe this is your opportune moment to maybe shift a little bit more toward high school recruiting instead of the portal going forward after this class. To answer your question, I think yeah they'll 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 focus more on. Uh, recruiting and it's a prime spot to put somebody at that can recruit it's it's easier if you get a bunch of five-star guys to get them to do you know have a good defense um when you have a lot more talent on defense you can scheme around it a lot more on offense with with guys who maybe aren't as highly recruited but on defense you need you need really good recruits so yeah and i'm not even going to pretend to know defensive back coaches as well as john just rattled it off so 
what I will do is I'll plug the uh, Tomahawk Nation's three stars. Guys, Josh Pick, Tim Scribble, Noel through and through, put together a uh, defensive backs coaching hot board, listed off all three of the guys that John just rattled through. That's all at the top of the article, some of the other names, in case you're sitting there clamoring for your favorite candidate, uh, TJ Rushing, Mike Trayer, Trier? Yeah, Trier, Trier, I think. Sure. DeMarcus Van Dyke, uh, Greg Moss, Corey Fuller, Juan Ratliff, uh, Travis Fisher, Terrell Buckley, Antonio Cromartie. All of them are in there. Feel free to go read their thoughts there. I won't read them back to you. Their their thoughts, I'll let them be their thoughts. And uh, Plus, drive some traffic to the website. So if you're interested in any of those names, there's plenty more available for you there. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, to the just the general question of, of like scheme and coaching versus recruiting, it's college football, man. Just get the best guys out there. I, right. I would I would lend to go recruiting. Don't grab like a guy who's like a D-line coach and ask him to be a DB coach just because he can recruit. <laughs> but, you know, if a guy can recruit, he can recruit. Just go for it. You know, figure out the problem. Get the players, figure everything else out later. And I mean, that's pretty much where Georgia's at at this point. I mean, they just got the <laughs> best players. Here we are again. That's the thing, man. When your blue chip percentage is what seventy percent, you're just a death star. You're going to roll over ninety five percent of the, the people that you play. It's just it, recruiting is still at least eighty percent of winning a college football, in my opinion. It's it's almost everything, um, you know. So, and we didn't we didn't really go too in depth into the actual high school recruiting. I think we covered that aspect enough. Um, we did mention we would get to signing day. They did get the nineteenth ranked recruiting class, the biggest headline. Uh, Keldrick, Keldrick folks got to make sure I say that one correctly before I get the F word in here uh, flipping to Auburn. He was a top 100 player. I think 81 uh, top 10 defensive lineman in two, four, seven composite. Anything else um, or any, any thoughts on that, Max? I mean, I think that's a big loss. Uh, it was, it's a hometown team. It's, it's a team that's been in his ear for a long time. So it's good that that Norvo and maybe his staff knew that there was something like that coming, but I definitely think it's a big, big loss. But then I look at that, maybe it was the same day or maybe it was the next day you get Conrad Husey out of St. Thomas Aquinas, not at the same position, but you get another blue chipper in there. So I guess that was to bounce back there. John, I presume you are not, uh, you're not going to break down the recruiting class for us. So we just point to the three-star guys. Uh, that's right. I got nothing. Uh, please, please listen to the Florida State Recruiting Podcast on the Tomahawk Nation Network. Thank you. <laughs> Way to promote, buddy. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's I, I think that about covers it. I mean, you know, as much as we just talked up the idea of uh, high school recruiting and the need for it, it, it's hard to know. I mean, it's hard to sit here and tell you without really grinding it day in and day out like like those guys do. And so I'm not even going to pretend leave the expertise to them and let them have it. And, uh, you know, they've got everything you want. I'm sure if you were interested that you've probably already tuned into it and taken in their notes. Um, I think that just about covers everything Florida state. You guys have anything Florida state that didn't come up. I got blank stares back at me, blank stares. I cover, I went through the whole website. I took <laughs> notes on everything that existed. Uh, we can finally get to the most important conversation of the day, which is of course, Max's basketball thoughts. Uh, no, I, I'm kidding. <laughs> I do want to quickly just pick your brains, and I think it could be fun. Um, the bowl season is finished. Uh, this is also just so I can brag on myself. Um, I did the Tomahawk Nation uh, Pick'em group. I don't know if either one of you participated. I'm just going to assume the answer is no. Yeah, I missed out. Okay, neither one of you guys joined in. Okay, so we had 71 of you get involved with it. If you didn't do it, it's it's fine. Uh, currently I am in second place behind SD Knoll. So shout out to SD Knoll who had the best record wow. 20, 28 and 14 from SD Knoll. That's nice. a, a 67% win percentage. He's 99.8% uh, percentile. I should say in, in bowl pick them. That's pretty much as well as you could do. I'm in second, like I said, at 99.6. And then a guy named the elves 26 and 16 at 99th percentile as well. So wow. uh, we had some guys really, Really crush it. Looks like out of the 70 something, let's see. Mm, a little over half of us are in the top 50 percentile. So 
shout out to you guys for for participating. If you didn't join in, that's fine. Yeah, you should be able to find the group and just throw your thing in there unless you cheated, in which case I'm not interested in it. <laughs> um, and remember, next year we do the, I do the article every week. Just jump in the comments, leave 10 picks. And if you win, I add you to the comment section. If you're a potential sponsor who may be listening, we are interested. Reach out to Perry Kosadikas on Twitter at Perry, K-O-S, Perry, K-O-S. Uh, and you could just let him know what you think we should be giving away as a great prize. That'd be awesome. Which brings me to this one final game left in the college football season. It is on Monday. It is Georgia. It is TCU. Uh, the line is minus 12 and a half for Georgia. As far as I just saw earlier to the 12 and a half, maybe 13, maybe 13 and a half. Uh, so I will go to John first, John, Georgia or TCU or any thoughts on the playoff in general. I thought the playoffs were very fun. The most very fun good. that that they've been since they started, right? Pretty much. Uh, it was it was absolutely a, a treat to watch. Uh, I hope they're all like that. I honestly, me personally, can't wait till they go to 12. I'm happy TCU made the national title game because it's nice to see a smaller school in there. However, they are going to get annihilated. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Uh, I, I again, I'm happy that they're there. They may not wish that they're happy after that, although they will remember forever that they played in the title game. So there's that. Facts. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll with the same thing that I had before. I don't see Georgia losing. I don't see Georgia losing this year with the roster that they have, with everyone that they have on that. I just, I just don't see it happening. TCU had a great season. They have a great offense, but now you're facing the Georgia Bulldogs and Jalen Carter and a wall is going to be in front of you. I want to ask a more interesting question. Does Georgia three P if, if they win, do they three P? No, hope. I mean, of course, I, not. Hope not. I mean, no way you can win three in a row, but yeah. Um, so I agree. And I think the easiest thing out there is, well, Michigan beat Ohio state and Ohio state gave Georgia a game, right? They, they probably mm-hmm. should have beaten Georgia. Um, and I've seen a lot of the Twitter nerds who, who were touting this when the, when the, I guess, bracket came out. Ohio State was uniquely qualified to push Georgia mm-hmm. with the receiving core and C.J. Stroud. They were uniquely qualified to do that. And TCU is not that. Right? right. I mean, it's just as simple as that. Yeah, and and Max Doug, Duggan, whatever his name is, yeah, for TCU, he's a good player. He really, really is. CJ Stroud was lights out, unconscious in that game. He made himself a ton of money in the NFL in that game. Uh, and a lot of people are going to say, and I don't think that they're necessarily wrong, that that was probably going to be the real national championship game unless TCU makes us really close and shocks everybody and it comes down to the wire. Otherwise people are going to say that was the real national championship game. Um, it was also an excellent game in its own right. Uh, but I, you know, I agree with you. I mean, I think it was great to see with Ohio state that we saw that Georgia's human. That makes mm-hmm. sense. They thought that they can kind of be beat. They didn't get beat, but you know, there's something there that's going to happen. Yeah, that's a good point because Stetson Bennett was terrible. If he plays like that against TCU, they really do. The foreign frogs will have a chance. You know what's crazy is I spent that entire game watching it with my friends. We were out New Year's Eve, and I said, "Man, Stetson is just—he uh, is just not good." You know, as everyone's always making the joke, Stetson's going to be a great, you know, owner of a car dealership or whatever. He threw for almost <laughs> four hundred yards. Yeah, but he was still terrible. He That's was the thing. still terrible. Like he was terrible and threw out for four hundred. Like they're that good. It just doesn't make sense. Like you watch the game, you're like, he was garbage. Four hundred yards later, how many records would Georgia have broken this year if C.J. Stroud played for the Bulldogs? A billion. Could you imagine. And that's what that's what scares me so much, though, is that they're so dominant and they have such. Even though he was a Heisman candidate, they have no, such he didn't belong mid- there. He didn't belong yeah, there. Lazy level, such a mid-level quarterback, and you're still so dominant. At the, and in your most important position is not that great. Right. And Hendon Hooker should have gone to New York instead of Bennett. I, yes. Just because Hooker got hurt doesn't mean he didn't play massively outplay Bennett the whole year. He that was a travel that was horrible by whoever decided that. But like Corum, Chase Brown, Deuce Vaughn, Bijan Robinson. I mean. Uh, it's just why is it all why is it all quarterbacks? I don't whatever. Uh, and to your point, and even the defensive lineman for Georgia would have been fine. Uh, 
Yes, he's just he's just mediocre. He's fine. But like it's funny how Kirby leaves Bama and builds like what Bama was 10 years ago, where we all sat around and was like, they're so good, and AJ McCarron is terrible. Yeah, right. Right. And then, <laughs> he, the and then he beat then he beat modern Bama with his like proto Bama type team. It's the same thing. And now they're gonna win another title doing it. I don't, it's just insane. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I, what's funny is the other team I thought could have given them a game would have been Alabama and Bryce Young. I, I you know, they didn't get it because LSU won that side of the conference and right. uh, we didn't get that don't, game. Don't lose two games. I mean, in the future, yeah. they go to 12. Bama's still going to make the playoffs, but it'll be a longer road to get up there to try again. But don't lose two games. Yeah, it's that simple. Don't lose two games and otherwise you're not there. Um, but yeah, I think it should be a, a drubbing to end the college football season. Georgia gets to be crowned as the two-time champions and, and come in next year looking like uh, the three-time champions. And to Max, to your point, for their quarterback play and stuff, I mean, they did have Justin Fields on the roster. Didn't uh, They had um, was the other JT Daniels, who was supposed to be great and wasn't. We somehow arrived at Stetson and that was just good enough. You know, it's, I don't know. It's one of those things. Like, you're just like, we're really good at football. We're a great sustained dynasty. We don't know what a quarterback looks like, but boy, are we good at football. We don't know what a quarterback looks like. Well, we have two blue chippers backing Stetson Bennett up. So. Correct. Yes. These two guys, they're just there to hold the clipboard and call. They're really good at calling the plays in. That's what they do. It's it's the it's the recipe saving built to the top of the mountain. And who knows, you know, the flash in the pan might be the quarterback next year that makes it happen. It could be Jordan Travis. Who knows? I'm sure at some point this offseason, I will reach out to someone to come on and tell us exactly how good Jordan Travis is, can be next season and what that could mean for the rest of the year. But I think that pretty much covers our uh, post holiday season uh, recap, I guess the the two and a half weeks of transfers and all the things in between bowl game, holiday lights and whatever. So uh, appreciate you hanging in there for the last hour and so minutes there, not terribly as long as I thought we could go. So I appreciate you guys keeping it, keeping it tight and concise. Thanks y'all for John, Max and Brian. That's a wrap. 